talk a lot today about our grand opening as a building. But I'm here to tell you this morning that 2,000 years ago, there was a greater grand opening that happened. Are you with me? That a stone was rolled away and a man emerged. And he didn't just come forth uh, just, just so we could be happy and, or just so we could get out of hell. He came to give us life and a full and extreme life. I love what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way. Everybody say that with me. Say a new and living way. Listen, Jesus has promised and provided for you a new and living way. A a new and living way. A a way that's different than what you're living now. A a way that's different than what you've lived before. Jesus has more for your life. Wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Whether you're retired. Whether whether you're refired. Whatever it is. Wherever you're at in your life. God has more. No matter how fired up you are or how complacent you are. There is always more. There is always an opening. There is always an invitation from heaven saying, I have more for you. Will you walk through the door? And so when Jesus rose from that grave that day, it wasn't just so we could look back at it and have good Easter services come on and have good production and all that kind of stuff. No, he did that so we could experience life on the highest level. So what of this living way? I want to talk about this living way that Jesus promised us. First thing is the reality of the living way. This is the reality of the living way. This life-giving way is found in connection with God. It's found in connection with God. You're not going to find the life-giving way. You might experience some good things in this world. You may experience the pleasures of this world. But true life-giving way is only found in connection with God. It's the only way that we can find it. His reality in our life is where we find true life, where we experience life at its best capacity. But the problem is, there's a problem, right? There's a reality. This is the reality. There's a problem, right? There's this thing called sin, Oh, come on. In the church today, we don't like to talk much about sin. Either people talk too much about it or people don't talk about it enough. For some reason, we have a hard time uh, finding the middle ground there. But listen, there's a problem because sin disconnects us from God's best. Are you with me? How many know that in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect, everything was awesome, and then what happened? Sin entered the scene. Man sinned. And we know that from, from Adam's fallen nature, that, that that sinful nature has been passed on to us. We live in a fallen world. That uh, It says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, He has turned away. Listen, sin is powerful. Are you with me? Sin is very powerful. It's destructive. It destroys our families. Come on, it destroys our society. It destroys the world we live in. And listen, that might not necessarily be a sin that you're committing. It could be a sin that's committed against you. How many of you have ever been sinned against? Come on. Well, come on. How many of you have sinned against somebody else? Right? And it's sin that brings destruction. It's sin that brings that disconnect. And listen, sin will leave you discouraged. It will leave you disappointed. And it will leave you in despair. Sin will always do this. Whether it's the sin that we're committed or the sin that is committed against us, sin will always leave us discouraged, disappointed, and in despair. But the greatest thing that sin does is it separates us from God. It keeps us from experiencing that life, that new living way that Jesus promised us. That sin stands in the way. However, God provided the solution. Come on, are you with me? 
There's a solution. There's something greater. There's something more powerful. Sin is strong, but there's someone who is more stronger. Jesus is the connection. Jesus is the open door. He said, you know what? You got sin. Let me kick the door down. Let me, let me make my way on the scene. Isaiah chapter 53, verse six, it says, we all like sheep. Come on. We all like sheep. We're stupid sheep, right? Man, right? We all like sheep. You guys ever feel like that? You're just kind of going with the flow, man. You know, just, just functioning by the mundane of life, moving along, right? Keeping everybody else's schedule for you, man, that's, that's all you do. Right? You're just bad. You're just, you're just following society. You're just, but it says this. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We're not functioning like God's sheep. We're just functioning like the sheep of society. We're just going with the flow. Come on. But we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The sin of us all was placed on Jesus 2,000 years ago. All the wickedness that I've ever done, and there's a whole lot of it, and all the wickedness that you've ever done or that anybody else that you know has done against you, the iniquity of it all was placed on this man, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the only perfect man the world has ever known, stood a criminal's trial. An innocent man judged by the crimes of humanity. Jesus Endured a brutal flogging in which up to a third of his body was shredded to the bone. Jesus, God in flesh, humiliated by his own creation. Crowned with toxic thorns, beaten beyond ridicule. And ridiculed by public nakedness. He carried the weight of punishment intended for vile sinners. Jesus, the Messiah, beaten and humiliated by the world he came for. The slaughtered lamb, compassionate for the hands that drove nails through his hands and feet. Then Jesus managed several words, choice words, as his suffocation sets in on a blood-drenched cross. Words that history hinges upon. Words that when trusted become the most significant words to our core. Words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. Not words of retribution, not words of self-defense. Father, forgive them. Words of compassion and redemption, it is finished. I discovered this scripture in the message this week. It's not really my favorite translation, but I read it and I was blown away by how poetically this sounds. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. We can only keep on going, after all, by the power of God, who first saved us and then called us to his holy work. We have nothing to do with it. It was all his idea. It was all his idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated. Life vindicated in a steady blaze of light all through the work of Jesus. See, we don't get to go to that life-giving way because we earn it. 
We don't get to go there. We don't get to come through that door because we deserve it. We only get to do it because Jesus said these words when he put our sin on a cross. It is finished. We can only go there because of what Jesus did. You, you can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. You say, well, they're just talking about sin. We, are, we have all blown it. We cannot be good enough. So Jesus said, I will become sin so they can become right. Many people have said the most powerful words are it, is, it, are it is finished, the three most powerful words in human history. But I can tell you the three most powerful words in human history are not it is finished. The three most powerful words in human history is he is risen. Jesus is alive and he put your sinfulness, he put your shame, he put your sickness in the grave and he left it there. And he is alive. The three words that will transform your life, that will take you from mundane, from just being a bad person, to someone who is living with purpose and destiny. The resurrection of Jesus was the grand opening. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said it like this. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm a way. He's not a way. He's not an option. Come on. He's, he's not one of the paths to heaven. He is the way. And if he's the way, that means he's the only way. There's no other way. Jesus is the way. I love John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out. And find pasture. The thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give you life. He came to give you direction. He came to give you purpose. He came to bring value to the mundaneness of the life that we live. The problem is as we allow sin or the effects of sin to keep us in bondage. To keep us discouraged, to keep us disappointed, to keep us in despair. But God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Jesus is alive. And there's no reason for you to ever be in despair. There's no reason for you ever to feel hopeless. And let me just say this. Hopelessness is not a reality. It is not a real thing. You say, well, you don't know what I've gone through. Listen, if Jesus is alive... And Jesus is on the throne. There is always hope. There is always hope. Hopelessness is not a reality. No matter how you feel. No matter how despaired or discouraged or disappointed you are. Jesus is alive. And he offers you hope. Your shame is strong. But Jesus is stronger. Come on. Your sin is strong. But Jesus is greater. Your discouragement. Your disappointment. Your despair is real. But the reality of Jesus is greater. So Jesus just asks one thing of you. Just one thing. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? There's not a long list for you to check a bunch of little marks and do lots of little penance. There's not a long list of hoops that you need to jump through to be right with God. You've just got to say yes to Jesus. You just got to say yes to perfection. The slaughtered lamb, 
in the risen King. Romans chapter 3, and we're closing with this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. We're doing this series here at Overflow called Yes. It's all about living in response to what Jesus did. We are made right with God by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus. He's the reconnect. He's the reconnect to life. All this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. Isn't that good news today? Yeah. That we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood.